It is as if you are asleep, and two persons are talking, and you in your sleep, because they are talking so loudly, just hear some words from here and there, and just a hodgepodge impression is left. It is as if you are asleep, and two persons are talking. And you in your sleep, because they are talking so loudly, just hear some words from here and there. And just a hodgepodge impression is left. This is happening while the, while the unconscious creates dreams and the tremendous activity goes on. The conscious is asleep and just hears the rumor. And in the morning, says it is all false, it's just it was just a dream. Right now, well, right now, whenever you dream, you feel it is absolutely real, even absurd things look real, illogical things look real because the unconscious knows no logic. You're walking on a road in a dream. <coughs> you see a horse coming, and suddenly the horse is no longer a horse. The horse has become your wife. And nothing happens to your mind to question how can it be possible? The horse has no, the horse has so suddenly become my wife. How can it be possible the house has so suddenly become my wife? No problem arises, no doubt arises. The unconscious knows no doubt. Even such an absurd phenomenon is believed. You are convinced of the reality. Just the opposite happens when you are become aware of the dreams and you feel. They are really dreams. Nothing is real, just mind drama, a psychodrama. You are the stage, and you are the actors, and you are the story writer. You are the director, and you are the producer, and you are the spectator. Nobody else there, it is just a mind creation. When you become aware of this, then this whole world that exists while you are awake will change its quality. Then you will see that here also the same is the case on a wider stage, but the dream is the same. Hindus also call this world Maya, illusory. Dreamlike mind stuff. What do they mean? Do they mean that it is unreal? No, it is not unreal. But when your mind gets mixed into it, you create an unreal world for your own. You don't live in the same world, everybody lives in his own world.、Ah. Everybody lives in his own world. There are as many worlds as there are minds.
as there are minds. When Hindus say that these worlds are Maya, they mean the reality plus mind is Maya. Reality that which we don't know, reality plus mind is illusion, Maya. When somebody becomes totally awakened, a Buddha, then he knows reality minus mind. Then it is the truth, the Brahman, the ultimate, plus mind, and everything becomes dream. Because mind is the stuff that creates dreams. Minus mind, nothing can be a dream. Only reality remains in its crystal purity. Mind is just like a mirror. In the mirror, the world is reflected. That reflection cannot be real. After reflection is just a reflection. That mind is just like a mirror. In the mirror, the world is reflected. That reflection cannot be real. That reflection is just a reflection. When the mirror is so, the mirror is no longer there, the reflection disappears. Now you can see the real. A full moon night, and the lake is silent, and the moon is reflected in the lake, and you try to catch the moon. This is all that everybody has been doing for many lives. Trying to catch the moon in the mirror of the lake. Oh, that's good explanation. That's uh, good. Um, what do you call it? Um, that's really good um, example. That's good. What do you call it? I forgot it. Oh. Trying to catch the moon in the mirror of the lake. Yeah, I know the word in the Japanese. So that's the difference. I can't really recall words immediately sometimes. Okay. And of course, you never succeed. You cannot succeed. It is not possible. One has to forget about the lake and look exactly in the opposite direction. There is the moon. Mind is the lake in which the world becomes illusory. Whether you dream with closed eyes or you dream with open eyes, make no difference. If the mind is there, all that happens is dream. This will be the first this will be the first realization if you meditate on dreams. And the second realization will be that you are a witness. The dream is there, but you are not part of it. You are not part of your mind. You are a transcendence. You are in the mind, but you are not. You are in the mind, but you are not the mind. 
You look through the mind, but you're not the mind. You see the mind, but you're not the mind. You use the mind, but you're not the mind. Suddenly, you are a witness, no longer a mind. Oh, this paragraph is so good. It's very clear that mind is something we use. If you are used by mind, on the other hand, it's going to be a disaster. But what is that? How can I remember that? How can I recall the word? I'm trying to find. I know the word, but I can't recall it at this moment. Ha,、ah, it's so frustrating, kind of. Ah, it's like、uh, up to my throat. But I cannot put it out.、Uh, the one way is to translate from Japanese word, but I don't want to do that. I need to find the word by. Using the language, using English. I mean, okay. By the way, this part is so good, so I put a special mark here. Ah,、uh, no, this one. This will be the first realization if you meditate on dreams, and the second realization will be that you're a witness. The dream is there, but you're not part of it. You're not part of your mind. You are a transcendence. You are in the mind, but you're not the mind. You look through the mind, but you're not the mind. You use the mind, but you're not the mind. Suddenly, you are a witness, no longer a mind.、Uh, and this witness is the final. The ultimate realization, and this witnessing is the final, the ultimate realization. Then, whether the dream happened while asleep or the dream happens while awake makes no difference. You remain a mit,、uh, you remain a witness, you remain in the world, but the world cannot enter in your in you anymore. Things are there, but the mind is not. In the things, and the things are not in the mind. Suddenly, the witness comes in and everything changes. It is simple once you know the knock of it. Knock of it. Yeah. Otherwise, it looks difficult, almost impossible. How to be, how to be awake while dreaming? It looks impossible, but it is not. There, three to nine months it will take. Three to nine months it will take. If every night when you go to sleep, while falling into sleep, you are trying to be alert and watching it. But remember, don't try to be alert in an active sense. Otherwise, you will not be able to fall asleep. Passive alertness. Loose, natural, relaxed, just looking out of the corner of your eyes. Just looking out of the corner of your eyes. 
not too active about it, just passive awareness, not too concerned, sitting by the side and the river flows by and you're just watching. Sitting by the side and the river flows by and you are just watching. Three to nine months this takes. Then someday suddenly the sea is falling on you like a dark screen, like a dark curtain, as if the sun has set and the night is descending. It settles all around you. But deep inside a flame goes on burning. You are watching, silent, passive. Then the world of dream starts. The many plays happen, many psychodramas, and you go on watching. By and by, the distinction comes into existence. Now you can see what type of dream it is. Then suddenly one day you realize that this is the same as while waking. There is no difference of quality. The whole world has become illusory. And when the world is illusory, only the witness is real. Huh? I like it. And when the world is illusory, only the witness is real. I love this book, as always. Okay, afterward, hanging by a thread. There is an ancient story in India. A great sage sent his chief dis disciple to the court of King Janak to learn something that was missing in the young man. The young man said, If you can't teach me, how can this man Junk teach it to me? You're a great sage. He is only a king. What does he know about meditation and awareness? The great sage said, You simply follow my instructions. Go to him, bow down to him. Don't be egoistic, thinking that you're a sannyas, 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 and he is the only ordinary householder, that he lives in the world. He is worldly and you are spiritual. Forget all about that. I'm sending you to him to learn something. So for, so for this moment, he is your master. And I know, I have tried here, but you cannot understand because you need a different context to understand it. The court of Janak and his place will give you the right context. You simply go bow down to him. For, few, for these few days, he will repent me. He will represent me. Represent me. He will represent me. Reluctantly, the young man went. He was a Brahmin of high caste. 
And what was this Janak? He was rich, he had a great kingdom, but what could he teach a Brahmin? Brahmins always think that they can teach people. And Janak was not a Brahmin, he was a Kshatriya. Kshatriya. The warrior, ca the warrior caste in India. They are thought to be second to Brahmin. Brahmins. The Brahmins are the first, the foremost, the highest caste. To bow down to this man, this has never been done. A Brahmin bowing down to Kshatriya is Kshatriya is against the Indian mind. But the master had said it, so it had to be done. Reluctantly, the young man went, and reluctantly he bowed down. And when he, when he bowed, bowed down, he always really feeling angry with his master, because having to bow down to Janak was so angry in his eyes. A beautiful woman was dancing in the court, and the people were drinking wine, and Janak was sitting in this group. The young man had such condemnation, but still he bowed down. Janak laughed and said, You need not bow down to me when you are carrying such condemnation in you. <laughs> you don't be so prejudiced before you have experienced me. Your master knows me well. That's why he has sent you here. He has sent you to learn something, but this is not the way to learn. Ah, I like this phrase, uh, paragraph I mean. Janak laughed and said, You need not bow down to me when you are carrying such condemnation in you. And don't be so prejudiced because don't be so prejudiced before you have experienced me. Your master knows me well. That's why he sent that's why he has sent you here. He has sent you to learn something, but this is not the way to learn. The young man said, I don't care. He has sent me. I have come, but by the morning I will go back because I can't see that I can learn anything here. In fact, if I learn anything from you, my whole life will be wasted. I have not come to learn drinking wine and seeing a beautiful women dance and all this indulgence. Janak still smiled and said, you can go on in morning. You can go in the morning. Janak still smiled and said, You can go in the morning. But since you have come and you are so tired, at least rest for the night. And in the morning you can go. And if who knows, the night may become the context of the learning for which your master has sent you to me. Hmm. Now this was mysterious. How could the knight teach him anything? But okay, he had to be there. 
he ca he had to be here for the night, so don't make much fuss about it. He remained. The king arranged for him to have the most beautiful room in the palace, the most luxurious, luxurious. The king went with the young man. Took every care about his food, his sleep, and when he had gone to bed, Janak left. But the young man could not sleep the whole night because, as he looked up, he could see a naked sword hanging by a thin thread just above his head. Because, as he looked up, he could see a naked sword. Hanging by a thin thread, just above his head. Now, it was so dangerous that at any moment the sword could fall and kill the young man. So he remained awake the whole night, watchful, so he could avoid the catastrophe if it was going to happen. In the morning, the king asked, "Was the bed comfortable? The room comfortable?" The young man said, "Comfortable. Everything was comfortable. But what about the sword? Why did you play such a trick? It was so cruel. I was tired. I had come on foot. I had come on. I had come on foot from the faraway ashram of my master in the forest, and you played such a cruel joke." What kind of thing is this? So, to hang a naked sword by so thin a thread that I was afraid. I was afraid that just a small breeze, and I am gone, finished. I have not come here to commit suicide. The king said, "I want to ask only one thing." You are so tired. You could have fallen asleep easily, but you could not fall asleep. What happened? The danger was great. It was a question of life and death. Hence, you are aware, alert. This is my teaching too. You can go, or if you want, you can stay a few more days to watch me. Although I was sitting there in the court. Where a beautiful woman was dancing, I was alert to the naked sword above my head. It is invisible. Its name is death. I was not looking at the young man, woman, just as you could not enjoy the luxury of the room. I was not drinking wine. I was just aware of death. Which could come any moment. I am constantly aware of death. Hence, I live in the palace, and yet I am a hermit. Your master knows me and understands me. He understands my understanding too. That's why he has sent you here. If you live here for a few days, you can watch on your own. You want to know how to become more aware. Become more aware of the precariousness of life. Precarious 
brightness of life, death can happen any moment. The next moment it may knock on your door. You may remain unaware if you think you are going to live forever. How can you live unaware if death is always close by? Impossible. If life is momentary, a soft bubble, just a pink prick, just pinprick and it is gone forever. How can you remain unaware? Bring awareness to each act. Precariousness, precarious of precarious, precariousness of life. There are two plans in you. There are two planes in you, the plane of the mind and the plane of no mind. Or let me say it in this way, the plane when you are on the periphery of your being and the plane where you are at the center of your being. Every circle has a center. You may know it. You may not know it. You may not even suspect that there is a center, but there has to be. You are a periphery. You are a circle. There is a center. Without the center, you cannot be. There is a nucleus of your being. At that center, you are already a Buddha, one who has already arrived home. Uh, the one who has already arrived home. On the periphery, you are in the world, in the mind, in dreams, in desires, in anxieties, in a thousand and one games, and you are both. There are bound to be moments when you still see that you have been for a few moments like a Buddha. The same grace, the same awareness, the same silence, the same world of beauty, beautitude, of blessings, of benediction. There will be moments, glimpses of your own center. They cannot be permanent. Again and again, you will be thrown back to the periphery, and you will feel stupid, sad, frustrated, missing the meaning of life, because you exist on two planes, the plane of the periphery and the plane of the center. But by and by, you will become capable of moving from the periphery to the center, and from the center to the periphery breathing smoothly. Just as you walk into your house and out of your house, you don't create any dichotomy. You don't say, I'm outside the house, so how can I go inside the house? You don't say, I'm inside the house, so how can I go? How can I come outside the house? It is sunny outside, it is warm, pleasant. You sit outside in the garden, then it is becoming hotter and hotter. You start perspiring. Now it is no longer pleasant. It is becoming uncomfortable. You simply get up and move inside the house. There, is, there it is cool. There it is not comfort, uncomfortable. 
Now it is inside the house that is pleasant. You go on moving in and out. In the same way, a man of awareness and understanding moves from the periphery to the center, from the center to the periphery. He never gets fixated anywhere. From the marketplace to the master, from the marketplace to the monastery, from being extrovert to being introvert, he continuously goes on moving because these two are his wings. They are not against each other. They must. They may be balanced in opposite direction. They have to be. If both wings, if both the wings are on the one side, the bird cannot fly into the sky. They have to be balanced. They have to be in opposite direction, but still they belong to the same bird, and they serve the same bird. Your outside and your inside are your wings. This has to be very deeply remembered because there is a possibility the mind tends to fixate. There are people who are fix fixated in the marketplace. They say they cannot get out of it. They say they have no time for meditation. They say even if time is there, they don't know how to meditate, and they don't believe that they can meditate. They say they are worldly. How can they meditate? They are materialistic. How can they meditate? They say, unfortunately, we are extroverts. How can we go in? They 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 have chosen only one wing, on and of course, if frustration comes out of it, it is natural. With one wing, frustration is bound to come. Then, there are people who become fed up with the world and escape out of the world, go to the monasteries and the Himalayas. Become sannyasins. Monks start living alone, force a life of introversion on themselves. They close their eyes, they close all their doors and windows, they become like labunit monads, windowless. They are bored. In the marketplace, they were fed up, they were trapped. They were tired, frustrated. It was getting more like a madhouse. They could not find rest. There was too much of relationship, and not enough holiday, not enough space to be themselves. They were falling into things, losing their beings. They were becoming more and more material, and less and less spiritual. They were losing their direction. They were losing the very consciousness that they are. They escaped, fed up, frustrated. They escaped. Now they are trying to live alone, a life of introversion. Sooner or later, they got bored. Again, they have chosen another wing, but again, only one wing. This is the way of the、uh, sided life. They have again fallen into the same fallacy on the opposite pole. I am neither for this nor for that. I would like you to become so capable 
that you can remain in the marketplace and yet meditative. I'd like you to relate with people, to love, to move in millions of relations, relationships, because they enrich you and you remain and yet remain capable of closing your doors and sometimes having a holiday from all relationship so that you can relate with your own being also. Relate with others, but relate with yourself also. Love others, but love yourself also. Go out. The world is beautiful, adventurous. It is a challenge. It enriches. Don't lose that opportunity, whether the whether the world knocks at your door and calls you, go out. Go out fearlessly. There is nothing to lose. There is everything to gain. But don't get lost. Don't go on and go on and get lost. Sometimes come back home. Sometimes forget the world. Those are the moments for meditation. Each day, if you want to become balanced, you should balance the outer and the inner. They should carry the same weight so that inside you never become lopsided. Lopsided. That, that is the meaning when Zen masters say, walk in the river, but don't allow the water to touch your feet. Be in the world, but don't be of the world. Be in the world, but don't allow the world to be in you. When you come home, you come home as if the whole world has disappeared. Hote, a Zen master, was passing through a village. He was one of the most beautiful persons who have ever walked on earth. He was known to people as Laughing Buddha. He used to laugh all the time, but sometimes he would sit under a tree. In this village, he was sitting under a tree with closed eyes, not laughing, not even smiling, completely calm and collected. Somebody asked, You are not laughing, Hote. He opened his eyes and said, I am preparing. The questionnaire could not understood, understand. What do you mean by preparing? Hotei said, I have to prepare myself for laughter. I have to give myself a rest. I have to go in. I have to forget the whole world so that I can come back rejuvenated and I can again laugh. If you really want to laugh, you will have to learn how to weep. If you cannot weep, and if you are not capable of tears, you will become incapable of laughter. A man of laughter is also a man of tears. Then a man is balanced. A man of bliss is also a man of silence. A man who is ecstatic is also a man who is centered. They both go together. And out of this togetherness of polarities, a balanced being is born. Balanced being is born. And that is what the goal is. Hmm. Okay, that's it.
Done. Second time, I guess. 